Welcome to the Once in the Future Authors Podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I am so excited today to be joined by truly one of my favorite authors. She's the author of Secrets of the Italian Island. I just heard there's a part two, so I know what I'm going to be doing this weekend. And I'm so excited to introduce Barbara Josselson. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to uh, see you and be here. Absolutely. And I loved your last series and now a new series. So you're going to have to catch our viewers up. Can you just bring us back to when you first started writing? Because you've been quite prolific. I've, yeah, you know, I I, I mean, what better way is there to spend time than storytelling? That's, that's my view. <laughs> so, so yeah, my first book was published in 2015. That was called The Last Dreamer. Um, contemporary women's fiction, which is the genre I continued with um, over the next couple of years. I um, then had four books that were part of what we called the Lake Summer series. It was a series of women's fiction, again, contemporary that take, took place in this small fictional town of Lake Summers. Um, there are four books there. Uh, the Lilac House, they had um, plant and flower, flower titles. The Lilac House, The Bluebell Girls, the Lily Garden and um, the Cranberry Inn, which is a Christmassy kind of um, story. And um, I guess about two years ago, I had always wanted to write historical fiction. And um, I just thought it was a good time for me to really dig into something different. Um, I really, I really uh, thought World War II fiction was a good place for me. I was lucky to have an editor who agreed that this should be my next move. Um, and so I began working on World War II. Um, and I can tell you a little bit about the the uh, the um, inspiration, what, what, what inspired this series. But we call it the Sisters of War series. And it mostly revolves around three sisters who are on an island off the in the Mediterranean, off the Italian coast, um, during the darkest days of World War II, and they become separated. And each book in the series, the one that came out in May, which you've got, the one that came out this week, and the one that'll come out next summer, follows the story of a different of each of the sisters as they as they got separated, and they're dual timeline stories. So each story also has a present day heroine who, for various reasons, their own reasons, um, becomes involved in discovering what the story is for that particular sister and finds that they have their own particular reason for wanting to discover that sister's story. So that's 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 basically what it's about. So Secrets of the Italian Island is, is the oldest sister, Annalisa, and the present day heroine is Mia and... Love her, love her, and 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 love the idea. I mean, I bringing us back to inspiration. So you decided I'm going to write historical fiction, and I'm going to do World War II. Like, <laughs> did you go to Italy? Were you on an island? Did you get hit by a rock when you were walking <laughs> Pompeii? Like, how did these things yeah. come to you? <laughs> That's well, you know, I think what I did. I mean, I had I had traveled to Italy in the past and I had my memories and my experiences um, that have just stuck with me and tucked away in the diary I kept during that time. But I was hunting around for a story 
that might inspire me. I, I you know, I, 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 just in that beginning, early brainstorming time, um, that's the most earliest time of, of a book. And I came across a really interesting story um, there of an of an island of an island. This actually, I transported it. This is an island off the off the coast of Brittany. Okay. But, um, it was called well. It was called the um, the island of Costier, and um, it's French. It had such an interesting history. It was acquired in the right before the turn of the twentieth century um, by a Polish inventor named Bruno Apokonovich. Wow. who built a beautiful castle there and you can see it it's 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 on the you know it's 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 easily found um online and it became kind of a refuge a haven a a place where writers and sculptors and artists would go and do their best work there was a nobel prize winning novel written there among other great works and so it was kind of this artist retreat special place think of the most think of like a Shangri-La or a Camelot this is what came to my mind um and um it was requisitioned by the Nazis in World War II the castle was damaged ultimately sold it's a private island now and a private castle you can see it um but you can't get onto it and I was just kind of struck by the idea of this beautiful creative place that nurtured and inspired people to do their best work. Um, and then just, you know, to suddenly no longer exist. And I thought that was so, you know, so sad and so moving and, you know, who would be the people who would have gone to that Island and who would have worked there, who would have staffed the, the castle, who would have, you know, been starstruck by the people there and who would have owned the castle? What would this, what would this man have been like? This person who kind of, you know, became the host for these artists. And that was kind of the genesis. Um, the, this is the island. The three sisters sneak onto the island. I won't tell you why. <laughs> and um, they have a, uh, there's a connection between them and the owner of this castle, whom they've never met. And I won't tell you what the connection is either, but they they find their way onto this, into this castle and into this beautiful, inspiring, creative place surrounded by brilliance. And then disaster hits. And um, they end up getting, having to flee and getting separated. But that was really where it started. What, you know, how do you live in a world where there's such beauty and imagination and, then it ends. So yep. that's, that's really it. Two islands, the one that's off Brittany, because you, <laughs> you moved it. You picked up the island. I did. I moved it. <laughs> because I can. <laughs> it's wonderful because I can. Boy, I, I should put that on a mug for every writer. Because, <laughs> because I can. <laughs> Not many things you can say that about, but. No, well, you know, it's islands. funny because I was going to ask you about, you know, whether you feel kind of or, or where that line is. Um, when you're writing historical fiction, and, and this really goes for any fiction, even your your original series that takes place in a, a small town, is it in the Adirondacks? I remember feeling like it was in the Adirondacks. Maybe that was just my own 
No, that's exactly right. I mean, it's a fictional town, but that was the that was where it was. Yeah, that's where it was. That's, that's what where, I yeah. thought. I, I can almost picture it where where I have an aunt and uncle who have a, a cottage up oh, there. Really? When I was reading it, I was like, I know that place. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I really, you really, really captured it, um, which was lovely. But you know, now you're you're moving an island. Like, how do you know as an author when you're writing? you're researching, you know, you have to keep the facts like World War One has to start and end on the right dates. Right, you know, right. Certain things have to be correct, but then other things you get to play with. I mean, I know that besides being a, an accomplished writer, you're also, you know, a, a teacher, which helps with these questions. Like how does somebody who wants to write, where is that line? Like you better stick to the facts, but I just moved the whole island and it's okay. Right. You know, that's, I, I, um, I really encourage, cause I do teach historical novel writing and I, and I think that one of the pitfalls is to get so caught up in the research that you never really write the story and, or you, or you get scared, you know, how can I say this? How can I put this? I think you kind of have to give yourself freedom to write the story. I mean, at the end of the day, um, a story is about people, fictional or not. A story is about characters and interactions and relationships and growth. Um, and that's timeless. Um, so once I knew the parameters of the castle, the island, the reason the sisters went there, um, I really let them take off and become real people and, you know, and have their have have their story. Um the research came at that point. I mean, yes, you know, the, the dates were very, very important. Um, they, Italy has a very complex history as far as World War II goes. They were um, allied with Germany in the beginning and then surrendered to the Americans and then they were invaded by the Nazis. So um, and then Rome was um, captured and occupied. All this took place. Um, the the um, surrender and the occupation was like within a couple of days. I mean, very, very quick in the fall in, of 1943. So that's really important. And, and those dates, you know, obviously are really important. And I, you know, that particular event was going to have, or those events were going to have huge um, consequences for my character. So that's really important. And I did, I, I took some classes. I I, I, you know, and I have a list of um, a bibliography in the back of the book because it was really that was really, really important for me. And I have a journalism background. So, you know, it's it's that kind of thing of what I need to really, really get right is just ingrained in me. Um, the, the other part, the interesting part had to do, I think. So so once I had the facts of the historical down and I had the characters down, the for me, the, you know, kind of the. I mean, writing is fun. It really is fun. And, and part of the interest and the fun was starting to really get, what did the clothes look like? And what were they made out of? And what did they eat? You know, and 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 what would the castle have had, you know, what kind of electricity, what kind of lighting, what kind of flooring? Um, what did they read? You know, did, would they have newspapers? Were they, you know, magazines? You know, where did, radio, where did they get their news? And how did, um, supplies come who, who what were the boats like so so that was all really um interesting and 
And I kind of tried to get a feel for, for what that would be sort of along the way. I mean, that's kind of the part where I'm writing the story and I want to describe what she looks like. And, and that might send me on like a two day hunt about clothing, you know, and um, looking at pictures, looking through books, whatever I could find. So, um, but I will say, you know, I came, um, that was kind of interesting. It kind of, that's the part where, it's kind of, you know, you're kind of in two worlds at once because you're writing and then you're researching and then you're filling in. And I remember one of the things was that I had a character writing, leaving a note for another character, hiding it away toward the end of the book. And I'm thinking, you know, did he use a Sharpie? <laughs> Probably not. A ballpoint pen, a fountain pen, a quill? Probably not. A pencil? You know, what, what? what would have been available as a writing implement? And I remember I spent a whole day reading the history of Bic <laughs> pens because, you know, just, and it became so interesting and just to get a feel for how popular their, that pen was and what the pen would have looked like and what, so you you really can go down rabbit holes with this. That's what I was going to ask. <laughs> is you can avoid but, writing the book. You could just stare at right, it. Right, right. Just, yeah. But, you know, now I look at a pen these days and I'm like, hmm, you know, because I, it's not just a pen anymore. I've got, you know, this, you know, this is, ooh, whoops, this is just, you know, all the innovation that went into this thing that I, you know, pick up like nothing. So anyway, I, you know, that's kind of the interesting part, but I think that what I try to say when I'm teaching that it's just, a, it's about balance. You can't ignore any it, but you can't, you can't just end up overwhelmed by having too much research. And I think also sometimes you, another pitfall is to kind of get married to your research, you know, where you have all these interesting facts um, you got to use them. But the thing is, you don't got to use them. Yeah. You probably don't have to use most of it. Um, it doesn't mean anything to the story. It was just part of, you know, the pre-writing. So it's, you know, it's just keeping an eye on yourself, I think. <laughs> yeah. no, it's it's very hard to know when to stop with that. All of a sudden, someone thought they were going to write historical fiction and they're writing a history book. You know? It's real, Yeah, it's really true. I think the thing is, I mean... Intuition is kind of a great thing sometimes. And I feel like if you really listen to yourself inside, you know, people do a lot of research sometimes because they're scared to write because they're, you know, that's a, that's a scary, you know, that's a scary. But I think if you really listen to yourself at some point, that voice inside of you says, okay, you have enough, you're good. You, you know, you're, you're, you're in a good place now. And um, and I think you have to listen to that voice. And that's what I wait for. I wait for the feeling when I'm not like, I don't know anything to the voice that says, okay, you know, you're grounded. Well, Barbara, I think the fact that you have that voice is what makes you, <laughs> what makes you so successful. Because I know many, many people who are writing who don't have a voice telling them to, to, to yeah. stop and publish the darn thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know, I know. Although maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe or maybe you acquire it. Maybe it's a it's something that that you acquire. It could um, be something you acquire, and and it could be something that some people really are never going to have instinctively mm -hmm. and it has to be either um taught or they have to kind of 
deadline themselves. Right, right, right. Or, you know, sometimes it's just a trusted voice that says, okay, you're good. I mean, if there's a bowl of barbecue potato chips, that little voice that tells me <laughs> to stop eating never clicks right. on. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, so the fact that you have that voice and have that balance, um, I think is, is not something that every single person has because like, like you called it the rabbit hole, there are many people who are in that rabbit hole 24-7. <laughs> And it's not a comfortable place to be, you know, it's kind of, you know, you, it is a rat. That's exactly what it is. So. I mean, it is, but I mean, how many people instead of ending up with a book series could just simply, you know, really rock at Jeopardy in the category of World War II in Italy, but not really write a book. So. <laughs> yeah, right. rock and Jeopardy That's so funny. I mean, there's that. So. Uh -huh. I don't want you to think for a moment, oh, everyone has the gift of knowing okay. when to stop. Okay. No, Barbara, that's why you're so good. Oh, well, that's so nice. <laughs> oh, well, everybody has their, I don't, the voice eludes me when it comes to Hershey's Kisses, but it's well, there. that's why I said barbecue potatoes. Yeah, exactly. Chips, chips are, yeah. <laughs> that's why they're good. They come in small bags. I know, right? Somebody needs to, uh, to, to, to portion it. I, I agree. <laughs> Now, you mentioned you had been to Italy before. Have you been since this book and now you have another book? Do you have your next book there? Because I don't have I do. I do. This is the next book. This is The Lost Gift to the oh, Italian beautiful. Island. Oh, you can see it's kind of a working yes, with a, yes. a, a theme here. Um, this is the middle sister, Julia. This her, your person's younger or the middle <laughs> sister of the family. Um, you know, I had... I haven't been back yet, hoping to get there this year. Um, I spent some time in Italy, you know, when I was a college student spending a semester um, abroad and later on um, traveling for business. I was a reporter for a business newspaper and, and did some traveling in Europe, which was, which was great. And a lot of the memories were very, really helpful to me, um, including that old diary, because Mia in the book in the first book has never been has never been there before I so I was able to really you know really um feel what it's like to be going for the first time and I also which was very luckily for me um I I had my daughter one of my kids my my older daughter um coincidentally had taken a trip to Italy for the first time while I was writing it with her boyfriend. And I had, um, he had been there before, I guess. Um, but I remember sitting them down one evening and really saying to her, okay, what did it feel like when you got off the plane? What was the first thing you noticed? What did you do then? And, you know, she kind of was talking about things like practical things of like how to pay the cab and, you know, and, and what they saw and what she noticed as they were driving from the airport and, you know, the things that stuck in her head. And it was really helpful. Um, and I really um, was able to capture a lot of what that first time would be like by kind of reliving it with her. So that was a, that was a really you're, helpful thing. You're reminding me how much I, the first time I went to Italy, the plane landed, of course, you know, first thing in the morning, usually uh, from America. Mm -hmm. And got off the plane 
and changed my clothes. You know, you've been in clothing all, all night. And there was a little cafe in the airport. And I remember sitting there drinking my cappuccino and thinking, I'm in Italy drinking a cappuccino. I was <laughs> in the airport. I mean, I hadn't even seen a thing, but I was so excited to be it's in Italy. Funny. And I had a pastry and a cappuccino. I said, this is life. And I... <laughs>
I do is Google a lot of images of celebrities <laughs> and find out and, and start to, you know, figure out, yeah, that looks like her. Why? Why? Um, what is it about her expression? What is it about her look? You know, that makes, um, and, I, and, and it was, it was really fun doing the men leads as well, because I was looking at a lot of like 1940s, 50s um, images, like, you know, I, there's a romantic lead in, in the 1943 portion and, you know, James Dean and who else did I, I mean, he would kind of, oh, I, Paul, a very young Paul Newman, you know, and I kind of have a bulletin board up there where I start to put together um, images of, you know, clothing that I want to be able to capture and, and, um, and, and faces and buildings and things. And I'm trying to think of, so um, I think, I think Mia, who's the present day heroine, I think in my head, she was Emma Stone. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I, I get Emma Stone with uh, James Dean. I don't know. But... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I do. I, I love that. So you have an actual bulletin board, like almost yeah. like a vision board. Right, right, exactly. I, I, I also do it. I, I have it on. Um, even a bigger number of images I put on like a a, a private Pinterest board. But oh, for the really important ones, I love. I really want it right here. I, I mean, I'm looking at it right. You know, right on that wall. And um, you know, I. It's just you know, it's tack. I change the order and put things in different places and to, you know, if there's a dress and I put it with the one, you know, like color for the old color forms or whatever we used to do. Um, so, yeah, I think that maybe because I was a journalist, I'm very, you know, it's easier for me. It, it's just more comfortable for me to um, see something and describe it as opposed to, you know, just develop it all in my head and I'll put somebody's nose with somebody's eyes and somebody else's chin, you know, but, but it's just to see that kind of is really helpful for me. That's just, it helps me. You're one of those, does your vision board also have a full timeline of the entire book and it starts here and you did, you're one of those or you, uh... I, I do, you know, that's really important and historical. Um, I don't have that on the board, but I do have notebooks where I have like graphs or not graph, like tables where every character, when they were born, what was happening at the time, you know, when they had the kid and then the kid when they were, you know, so I do, I have, and, and then I, I do that for the, um for the big things. And then I also, because like the, the, the secrets that book takes place, um, maybe in six weeks. And this one does too, like a very short period of time. So I also have, cal I pulled out calendars from, you know, blank calendars from September, 1943. And I fill in each day um, because it's, that stuff is really easy to get wrong. And even if it's corrected, it's really important. It's, it's just helpful to get it right in the beginning because you go through the editorial process and then you end up with a copy editor who's like, but it's Tuesday, you know, how could it be Friday when yesterday was Wednesday, you know, and at that point, when the thing's basically done, you don't want to start having to completely redo the timeline. So I try to be right. the first person who has ever mentioned getting a calendar of whatever time period and, and you know, 
jotting it down. That makes so much sense. And I can't believe that I've literally interviewed hundreds of authors and you are the oh, you know. I guess I'm a little, uh, what is that? A little bit of a control freak? I don't know. But it's really just, just as a way to keep it. Great idea. Yeah. It's really helpful. And then I, you know, I end up with like these pages. And then I, you know, if somebody, if, if an editor has a question, I always can refer to it. You know, did I do something wrong on the calendar? But um, no, that makes helpful. Mm -hmm. And especially um, you're juggling in these books, the dual timeline. Yeah, exactly. Which I love dual timeline. That's one of my favorite things to read is dual I, timeline. It's really, it's such an interesting um, genre because what I find is you can make some really interesting parallels, you know, about, you know, both characters kind of, they're parallel, but they're also, you know, can be experiencing the same things. Like, it's just very interesting. Sometimes even though you're reading the story from 1943, you're kind of thinking, oh, but that's what the, you know, the woman, the other one was going through too. And it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a whole new way of making connections and, you know, revelations. <laughs> it's a well, it, you know, it, it reminds me of the fact that in real life, you know, these stages of my life that I'm going through, my great grandmother or whoever the people before us related and not related had the same things you know we are more alike than we are different even people growing up in the middle of the the most horrible war that there was were growing up getting married having children even during those terrible times yeah it's really true and you know in writing this story I, I don't think I've, I I did it consciously, but when I was growing up, um, there were three. My father had three aunts. Um, his own mother, the fourth sister, had passed away very young. So these three aunts, there were other, you know, they had their own kids, but he was also, you know, their surrogate kid, you know, their special kid because he was the one without a mother. Um, anyway, these three aunts, they lived in a um, apartment building in the Bronx in. Um, Ida, Bessie, and Rose. Ida, Bessie, and Rose. And by the time I remember them, I think Bessie, the Ida and Rose were widows by that point. And Bessie was still married. Benny was her husband, but she, he was kind of everybody's husband because, and, um, you know, they were old, old, old people to me, you know? And um, that's how I remember them. And, it started to be very interesting when I'm writing about these three sisters to say like, you know, wow, they were all actually quite young at one point in their lives. And, you know, they fell in love, they had children, they, and, and, you know, at, at some point, I don't, I don't even know the whole story. They came to this country. They were all not born here. Um, and the idea that, you know, I never thought of them as being anything other than these very elderly, you know, loving relatives. So it's it's kind of eye-opening. Now I'm starting to remember gradually all these stories about, about Bessie, Ida, and Rose. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, all these memories are coming back to me now about them. That'll be the next series. Yeah. <laughs> Bessie, Ida, and Rose. <laughs> I love that. And I love the way you described him, that he was everybody's husband. <laughs> yeah, Benny. <laughs> He didn't have 
didn't have to lift a finger. They were all, all three of them were always there with whatever he needed. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. But you know, my family had had a couple of sisters in that same way that you know you knew them as older people. Yeah. But yeah, they were once twenty and falling in love and and you know having their heart broken and all that other. Right, and having dreams and you know, things they wanted to do. And I know it's, uh, you know, um, wild to think about. It is. It really is. And I've been going through some old photo albums now. This is just inspiring me to kind of look a little more deeply. I have my mother's old photo album. My grandfather was just the most dashing man as a young man. And I never really realized that. So, you know, there's uh Wow. And now you've also terrified me, Barbara, because one day we're going to be so old that people are going to say, <laughs> that's what they look like. <laughs> I uncover a book or something and say, she was young. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> they, they could just have that conversation privately. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to know years from now what they're really saying. About <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it's very true. We have a very narrow view of people. If we meet them and they are this age. We have no concept until you write a book like this. You really, you know, I, I remember like how when my kids were little, they would always think that the teachers, right, had no lives. They were just, they just stayed in the school until, until the students when the students came back. Like teachers didn't get married. Teachers didn't have kids of their own. And so funny. Huh. Ah, no, but we, we do have a very narrow view of what everyone is like. They are just the way we see them, we, well, we, the way we see them, right? Until we're forced to uh, to look deeper, which is kind of what the book's kind of about. Yeah, no, it is, and that's that's one of the reasons why I love dual timeline because mm -hmm. you do get to see people in in multiple facets. You know, yeah, not, not just this is what the the situation is right now. No, no, no. There's a lot more fluidity. Going yeah, going into the story. Yeah, yeah. All right, so one is out, two just came out, and tell me yes. what is uh, where is three? Um, okay, so this is two. Three will is the story of the um, youngest sister. Her name is Amelia, um, and that one will be making its release um, next summer, sometime next summer. That one's still Amelia's still in the <laughs> she's still coming alive at the Amelia moment. Amelia is still a vision board in your room. Right, right. She's still on the board. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm super excited about that. Um for all of our viewers, um we have here Secrets of the Italian Island by Barbara Barbara Jocelyn. You want to read this first, although I think if you read the next one, it's okay, right? Exactly. Either way. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean whatever you happen to find. But I also want to mention that she has another book series and it's, since it's the holiday season, The Cranberry House yeah. is very nice for a holiday read as is that whole series. So Thanks. definitely grab a book and thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to the next book. Oh, such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Great Thanks. talking with you. Yeah.